KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Joe Morgenstern, the film critic of The Wall Street Journal. This year's prize for clumsiest title goes to Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans. I wanted to get that out of the way so I could talk about a defining moment in the movie set in post-Katrina New Orleans. It's when Nicolas Cage's rogue cop pulls up to a seedy building to make an arrest. The cop, Terrence McDonough, doesn't lack for company. The area is full of police cars and heavily armed cops. But he goes in alone, 44 Magnum at the ready, brings the bad guy out, and with a maniacal sparkle in his eyes, shouts, I love it. I just love it. The sparkle is what's been missing in his recent performances. This one transmutes Terence's moral squalor into darkly comic gold. For decades now, Cage has been the embodiment of over-the-edgeness. His haunted, chronically depressed characters have seen too much or done too much, and he's done so many of them that it may be tempting to pass on the pleasure of this one's company. Don't pass, though. The pleasure is real. Terrence enjoys doing really bad things, drugs and gambling being the least of them, even though he keeps getting sandbagged by an urge to do good things, such as solving the murder of a family of illegal Senegalese immigrants. The movie was written by William Finkelstein and directed by Werner Herzog a filmmaker and documentarian with a gleeful affinity for the aberrant. It isn't a conventional remake, but a whole new take on the 1992 cult classic Bad Lieutenant, which was written and directed by Abel Ferrara, a filmmaker with a peerlessly bleak vision of contemporary life. Ferrara has expressed outrage at the very existence of the Herzog version, but that's a sentiment I can't share. The earlier film is remarkable for Harvey Keitel's performance as a corrupt and brutal cop in search of redemption— Otherwise, it's a punishingly grim piece of work. If the new film commits the sin of entertainment, it's redeemed by a sense of life's contradictions and distinguished by surreal flourishes that include a pair of iguanas bearing slithery witness to Terence's mania. Red Cliff, set in China in the twilight of the Han Dynasty, lends new meaning to the notion of baby on board when a fearless swordsman plunges into battle with an infant strapped on his back. This action spectacular, directed by the masterful John Woo, also lends new meaning to the notion of epic. As the most expensive movie ever made in China, it's certainly immense, and even in the version shown here, quite long, two and a half hours rather than five hours for the two-part version shown to Asian audiences. Yet the immensity encompasses such variety, subtlety, and intimacy that you may find yourself yearning for more. Here's one example of many. Two distinguished warriors meet to decide whether or not to join forces against the tyrannical emperor. Once they discover that they're both musicians, they signify their decision by playing a duet on traditional stringed instruments. In a lesser film, the duet might be no more than a pretty gesture. In this one, it's a daringly extended interlude with as much dramatic development as some of the intricately conceived battles or an astonishing sequence in which a homing pigeon leads the camera on an aerial survey of the dictator's troops. Red Cliff is a legendary filmmaker's visual symphony. 
I'm Joe Morgenstern. I'll be back on KCRW next week with more reviews. KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.